Hi, David. Welcome to the Inside Yoji podcast today and thanks for joining us. Uh, here you're in the lovely Hunter Valley of New South Wales. That's a beautiful day here, Ed. It really is. Uh, yes, thanks very much for the invitation. Very nice. And it's been uh, probably six weeks since I saw you last and we were you're up in Singapore in our workshop and we were, uh, had a lot of big projects coming in, which was quite intimidating, including um, Geodis and a few others. And I think the good news there is that they're going really well. So a lot of stress off there and everything's running smoothly. So we can get into some more fun things today and uh, get cracking maybe with our one hot minute segment. With- okay, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear they're progressing well because it, it did sound like an ambitious agenda. Yeah, it's all, all going very, very well. So, all right, first question, what's your favourite technology? Uh, my Apple Watch. It's just, it's amazing how much computer power you've got on your, on your wrist. Um, I still haven't found out all the things it can do yet. It's just incredible. Agree. Favourite sports team? Uh, Hawthorne, absolute fanatic. Favourite animal? Rhino is my favourite animal, but you, you can't really keep one of those at home. So um, I've sort of taken the liberty of having two here. I've, I've got a real soft spot for snakes. Okay. And would you rather be Bear Grylls or Richard Branson? Uh, definitely Bear Grylls. He gets to spend a lot of time outside in amazing places. Okay. If you had $5 for a meal anywhere in the world, what would you buy? I'd be buying a bowl of fur in uh, Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Okay, now funniest Beautiful stuff. story to wrap it up. Uh, okay, this is a very long time ago when I was working in, in, a, in a bank branch, but uh, there was only one lady who used to drink from the water cooler. And so uh, I went to the local pet shop and I filled up the water cooler with goldfish. And so when she came in the next morning to take a drink, there was all these goldfish doing circles inside the water cooler and she nearly fell over. So. <laughs> Not bad. Not what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> very, very interesting story. So maybe just as an introduce, introduction to yourself, David, you've spent a lot of time in the banking sector across the world. Maybe just a quick one minute of your experience. Okay, so uh, 40 years in banking, um, worked my way right up from a, you know, the lowest of the low jobs in a banking branch. Uh, re-educated myself, got a degree, joined corporate banking um, and did quite well at Westpac and then uh, was there for about 20 years. Then uh, in 2002, joined HSBC in Australia and then they asked me to go to Vietnam as deputy CEO and then Malaysia and then Hong Kong. And um, in the roles in Hong Kong, I was looking after the, the whole of the region for various parts of the business. It was just amazing times, you know, fast growth. Um, lots of risk, uh, lots of moving parts, and you know, every day was a, a new day. Now, this probably leads into the next question and mentioning things changing very quickly and the amount of risk. Um, but I think a lot of people don't often stop to think about the, the importance, benefits, value add that actually that finance and, and banks can. Uh, add to supply chains. So how, how do the big banks view supply chains and their place in them? And did this have anything to do with your interest in Yogi when you started talking? Well, um, the banks I was working for had very big businesses in the trade area. And, of course, when you're moving any goods between two spots or more in the world, there's always some paperwork that comes along with it. 
So that's, that was one aspect. The second aspect was um, I'd seen a lot of disruption happening to a lot of industries very quickly, you know, retail, um, automotive, all of those sort of places being affected. And so I wanted to get involved with something that was likely to do some disruption but also um, would pull some paperwork out of the system. There are thousands of people shuffling paper in trade documentation in banks around the world. And also it should, um, should lead to more efficiencies. In you know, I went to some, some pretty choked-up capital cities where the traffic is just snarled like Dakar and Jakarta and you know, to a lesser extent even Melbourne. Traffic in Melbourne is not moving as well as it used to. Um, if we can pull you know, a few more trucks off the road and make them a bit more efficient than we're doing our bit for, uh, for uh, you know, moving people around you know, more smoothly and also you know, probably uh, reducing the environmental impact. Completely agree. And I think that the green aspect is a, is a really exciting thing. And I just want to touch on another part there, David, that you mentioned in terms of the, the trade and the documents. And one thing, when we came at the, the logistics problem for the optimization angle, which you mentioned, we never really thought about the trade finance problem that paper creates and that probably the biggest risk in the whole of supply chain is that time between shipping and payment or doing the work and getting paid across the industry because of the inefficiency. And is that a big opportunity area for banks both in, in managing that process and, and you know, forwarding finances but also to get better access to offer better services to their customers? It, it's a massive opportunity um, globally, and there are there are quite literally hundreds of millions of dollars to be made here um, if people can can do it well um, and efficiently. And of course, the issue is everybody tries to own their own piece of the pie instead of open architecture. Um, but the, the there is there is two aspects of it. One, it's an inefficient process in itself, and then secondly, if you can reduce the payment cycle by, by, by you know, showing that the, the goods have been delivered and the payment can be made faster, the amount of working capital required to support a growing business reduces dramatically. And a lot of that money falls straight through to the bottom line. So there is really a holy grail there in terms of, you know, reduction in the working capital cycle. The banks are very excited about it. They've, they're all dabbling um, in a way in that area and they're all looking for you know what's going to be the best way forward understood and so uh, sort of summary is that the, the bit of paper that they work off now isn't enough to validate anything whereas digital platforms that can give you transit trail trails and gps footprints and prove with with a higher level of certainty that something has happened really empowers the banks to become more innovative in how they assist growing businesses is that a fair Summary? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair summary. There's, there's an ownership piece of a document trail which I think we can replace um, with digital technology in such a way that um, you don't have to wait for the documents to arrive through DHL um, and then get them checked. You, you've just got that security and certainty as soon as the, 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 you know, the, the electronic validation takes place. Understood. Now, next question. What What is your experience at, in HSB across Asia have in parallel to our business in Yoji? Is there any, I mean, a few, few more people at HSBC, but are there any parallels in working in Asia that maybe you think are, are relevant? 
Yeah, I think um, it, it doesn't matter how big a, a business is. I mean, you can but you can break HSBC down into lots of small modules, and you can see a lot of innovation taking place at different speeds in different businesses in different countries. And so, you know, I know one of the countries you've been really having a look at is Vietnam, um, having lived there for three years. You know, each country brings its own set of unique challenges. And Vietnam's a great example because the numbers don't necessarily run sequentially in a street or they don't actually have a number. And so you have to use other technologies to, to, to you know, um, basically adopt where the, where the parcel's going to be delivered or, or, or what's taking place. So, so, and yet you've got Singapore, which is also part of Asia, which is extremely efficient in their processes, right? So, so the range of... of abilities and, and activities that take place between all those countries, um, there's, there is really a lot of scope for somebody to come and streamline a lot of that. Agree. And then on, on to the next point there, because it's so fast moving and, and so highly localised, do you find that it's very difficult and, or any, any tips for businesses to remain, I guess, strategic as opposed to purely tactical? I think that's one thing that... In, in a startup like ours, you're moving very quickly and you have to step, step backwards sometimes and really look at the, the strategy as opposed to just the day-to-day tactical. Do you see ways? I mean, how, how did you overcome that and have you got any tips for Yoji to overcome that sort of fast-moving, fast-changing, high-demand environment? So so my first piece of advice in that front would be to make sure that your your strategy is well thought out. And, and well articulated so that everybody understands, so that everybody's on the same page. But you've also got to be able to be nimble, right? Because as, as situations change, you don't want to change the strategy, but you may, you may need to adjust um, milestones within the strategy or what needs to get done next. And so we were always very keen to make sure that, that we had flexibility built in um, and then it was very much about a relentless execu- execution focus, right? So, so you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't execute it efficiently or mobilise your resources appropriately, then the strategy will fail. And obviously we've got, we've got a great example over the weekend in terms of Thomas Cook. You know, we've now got 600,000 people stranded around the world um, I'm sure they had a strategy. It's going to be a great case study when all the, all the facts come out but they clearly didn't execute whatever their strategy was either fast enough or, or you know, efficiently enough um, because obviously the, you know, the banks lost confidence in their ability to, to deliver it, right? So, so for me, I think it's all about setting, taking a bit of time to set the strategy first and then you must execute it you know, with, with a real sort of laser-like focus. No, I think it's a, it's a really good point and there's some interesting moving parts in there that you mentioned that are not necessarily, actually they're, they're, they're predictable but often strategies don't plan for deviation and I've been, we've been doing a lot of research into this and that OG at the moment actually is doing a lot of scenario planning about understanding different push-pull factors in markets and you know, really we've picked out four different scenarios that may occur and understanding the factors and influences that, that come into those. And you know, the, the research that I've done talks about companies historically, uh, especially bigger companies, have always looked at trends to plan strategy. 
And that's really will only get you as good as the company next to you in terms of you know the next the strategy for moving forward because everyone's working off the same data, historical data sets. And really what you've got to do is, is look for those next things that are going to happen and build a strategy that has scenarios built in to adapt, but overall keeps you more in alignment you know, to your vision. So been a big yeah, if it's, it, you have to be ruthless, right? If it doesn't, if it doesn't absolutely support your strategy exactly, then you need to cut it loose, right? Because it, yeah, it's one of the big challenges for for smaller, fast growing companies is there are thousands of opportunities. They've got great ideas, and there's thousands of opportunities out there. But which ones are going to be the ones that that differentiate you as a company and make you successful in the marketplace? And, and as you execute those, then that gives you the room to start, you know, adding extra bits on. But, you know, really, really ruthless focus on the key um, planks of the strategy in the early stages. Absolutely. And I think that's a, it's a big, big step up in, in, where, in where you can take things when you've, you've already thought about the, the, lo- the localization factors and when you put your strategy together and, and align that everything together so you can focus on one strategy with some small variables as opposed to ducking and diving in every different market market chasing something else and, and not really having that as you said ruthless focus so I think that's a, a really good point um, it moves into our next thing that obviously you yourself coming from a banking sector uh, we've got Lynn coming from a technology uh, background. We've got um, Peter that came from a transformation space sitting around the advisory board and we've come to ask um, what are the three things that you think that you, know, you should really focus on in becoming excellent? We get lots of good ideas there. But what are your three things that you're suggesting and promoting at Yoji for us to really become successful? So the the that's a great question, right? The first, so the first thing I'm going to be trying to do is to help that excellence in execution, right, by continuing to sort of, you know, make sure that you do it right first time. There's no redos. There's no rework because that's very inefficient. And you, we, you know, we don't have the resources to waste. Second um, area, I think, is to monetize the opportunity quickly because if there's two too big a gap between idea and money coming in the door, you know, we don't have enough time, right? So to try and to, to concentrate that so money comes in very quickly after uh, execution. And then third, um, great customer relationships. I mean, I looked after teams of people that, you know, had, some of them had relationships with customers that went for 15 and 20 years. And great customer relationships come from exceeding expectations again and again and again and a reliability and a consistency of both offerings, approach, um, and even, you know, the same product names for a long period of time so people, everybody gets comfortable. So, yeah, trying to help the the team um, on those three areas are the three where I'm going to spend the most time. And it's a, the, the second and third, the monetize quickly and improve relationships and grow strong relationships. It's a really interesting thing that you know, Lynn is really um, educating the business on in terms of product-led growth. And if you know your customers really well, they'll tell you what they want next and, and you can build quickly because you've got that understanding of what, what extra module that you can upsell or 
what is the things that are going to make the product even better so they recommend it to someone else and that that relationship piece is vital in in the the speed to, um you know, speed to scale because it really helps you understand how your product is today what it needs to improve and if what if you wanted if you had to add something or change something what what it could mean for the business so i think they're a customer complaint is is good in 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 one sense in at least the customer's taken the time to tell you what's not right the worst possible scenario is when a customer stops buying and just goes to the competition and doesn't say anything right you don't know what's gone wrong and you don't know what to fix so a complaint can actually be turned into a real positive Absolutely, and certainly the the surveys and and questionnaires we're starting to put out will really help us get yeah. faster at that. Yeah. Now yeah. you've met uh, most of the Yoji executive team and our staff. Uh, what should people outside the company know about our culture and people? Well, the, the first thing that um, that impressed me when we came to Singapore was uh, there was a real team vibe in the business. People, you know, genuinely. Like, seemed to like each other. Um, there was a, an enthusiasm and infectious energy within the room um, and people seemed to genuinely want to help each other be successful. So that, I think, you know, is, it's a credit to you as the CEO of the business um, and it's something that's um, really worth trying to hold on to as you grow because it gets tougher with, with a bigger company. But, look, uh, I, I thought, um, you know, that energy, that can-do attitude, uh, there was also a lot of, you know, innovation in the room there was you know it was they were dynamic um you know even dealing with i've been dealing with a lot of old bankers for a long time it, it was really refreshing right so no thank you very interesting there and with your banking hat on um what sort of discussions could yoji have with banks as another source of opportunity or revenue stream and maybe we don't want to tell too much here but some broad ideas that the company could be looking at through time yeah, look, I think the, um, the first one, and Paul and I have discussed this a couple of times already, is I'd like to see us find a way to integrate um, the Yoji product into the receivables finance um, process so that we are part of the solution. Um, we're never going to be the whole thing, but if we, if we can make ourselves an integral part of that solution, then I think there's a, there is, you know, there's, there's, there's 10 years of growth in the company just on that one idea alone, right? And then secondly, um, you know, banks are not necessarily great at changing processes either. Um, you know, as an example, HSBC has 5,000 people in Malaysia, I think it is, in one of their trade processing centres you know, moving bits of paper around. So if we could help them reduce that paper target by 10 or 15%, that's still quite a significant opportunity and they're only one of the biggest trade banks you know there's a lot of trade banks all around the world um so i think both of those two ideas have got legs uh and they're going to take a bit of work and a bit of effort and some marketing but i, th I think um we've got a, a, a real opportunity there and i know other people are also looking at the same opportunity so we've got to be we've got to be quick to the table if we can I think also the, the ability um, you know, in Australia and what we're seeing through Asia to actually track across multiple carrier 
networks and supply chains is really that's our unique spot in that field right there's there's some companies that are looking into it but the issue is that as soon as the as the concept of the multi-leg movement or the subcontractor is introduced then you lose that tracking and visibility and which which is your audit trail and that is the really unique, real unique selling point that I think has been key to us in getting customers across Australia and Geotis and some of these other people where they've got a really uh, strong audit trail of what's happening, really good visibility and reporting capabilities, which also hand in hand goes with optimization and, and planning. So it's a really interesting. Yeah, well, that USP, that USP, I think, is 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 integral to your success so far, and it, it's one of the ones I think we need to continue to sort of. Um, you know, shout from the rooftops. Um, the other piece that, that seems that seems of the feedback I've been getting is that you're also when you get down to the driver app, it's very easy to use. And so it's you know if you can sort of drive between the two, um, I've got, again we've got a great opportunity here coming at it from both angles. I think that's a, a very good way to end, end the podcast, David, with those points. And I really appreciate your time today and look forward to catching up with you very soon. And thanks, everyone, for joining the Inside Yogi podcast.